I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 8. So this weekend, Donna surprised me with a present, which is, you know, I love it. Um, <laughs> it was a pop socket for my phone because I have to have it because I'm 90 and it hurts my wrists <laughs> whenever I hold my phone. Well, it's because we have the plus edition. And so it's so... <laughs> the plus edition, like it's the Trivial <laughs> Pursuit or something. <laughs> You know, uh, but it's large. It's But I had it even when I had a 5S, let's oh. be honest. But anyway, I love a damn pop socket. But she surprised me with one that has our logo on it. And I was so excited. Damn, I got that other one too. No, you got that other one for you and it came in a two-pack oh, and yeah. I swiped the other one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, that was like three years ago and that was still the one on my phone. That, yeah. that one lasted forever. <laughs> okay, Sandlot. I mean, it's a good movie. We'll post a picture so y'all can see it because she got the one, not the one of our faces, because we can be narcissists, but we're not that <laughs> big of a narcissist. I don't have my phone, oh. I mean, my face on my phone cover. Okay, truth is that my big head wouldn't fit <laughs> on it. <laughs> it cut you off. Oh, gosh, that is funny. Well, it's the one with the um, Grim Reaper and all that stuff. Yeah, and my nephew when uh, she gave it to me, my whole family was over, and um, my nephew was like, "What's the thing at the top?" Because he was like, "I like the knife and the what?" I can't remember what he called it. The Illuminati is what he called oh. the diamond with the eye. <laughs> yeah, and he said, "And the gun and the what's the thing on the top?" Because he's ten, so it was Peyton. Oh, okay. When we do merch, we want to try to get those also for y'all. Yeah, that will be awesome. I mean, I feel like I worked on. Uh, podcast stuff all weekend, so... I went to the zoo again. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, once she got horned, she had to go back. <laughs> I mean, a girl knows what a girl wants. <laughs> it was a sure thing. <laughs> no, he was locked up in his pen that time. I didn't get to touch him. <laughs> but I did get to see that creepy-ass owl again. Oh, and my gosh. My, all my family was like, oh, look at owl. I was like, uh-uh. Creepiest owl on the planet. And they are like, oh, my God, he is. <laughs> oh, what did Dawson say? He was like, oh, I wish I could remember. He said something about it, like, looking like it had a mask like we did. And he was yeah. like, you can say that on your podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I can't remember what it is because to steal Kim saying, mm, I have the memory of a goldfish. Yes. Man, I picked a great co-host. What you mean? Your memory. Oh. <laughs> I already forgot that conversation. <laughs> yes. Legit. Didn't he have a clue oh what you were talking about? Your memory. You don't listen to anything. You always forget the names of my people and my stories. And mine, too. Yes. <laughs> but um, we still love you. Damn. Calling me out on all my shit. But. Okay. Speaking of shit. No. Uh, oh, I'm just kidding. Lord. Um. We didn't hear in last week. I thought we'd do shit this week. No, <laughs> kidding. But what I did notice is okay. that we, I think, are 13-year-old boys because we <laughs> make some of the, like, we make the most cheesy sex jokes. I know. And urine jokes. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hilarious, I think. But this episode that we just released, I was really like, whoa. <laughs> we are 13-year-old boys who make cheesy sex jokes. Well, I mean, I can be serious, too. <laughs> no, you can. Sometimes. <laughs> well, I think we're funny. Yeah. And I have fun making those jokes. <laughs> they just come out of me. Like your serial killer talk. <laughs> yes. I can't help it. I'm twisted. Tied up and twisted the way... BGK likes it. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
All right. That is funny. I think you go first this week. Wait. What? Oh, you had something else? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Rush a lot. (laughs) So I wanted to shout out two podcasts. Okay. One I have been obsessed with for a while, and I'm waiting on a new episode. What is it? Ghost in the Burbs. Oh, is that that one with the girl that tells those stories? <laughs> yes. Okay, she is from Wellesley. and College, as in Mona Lisa Small? Yes, girl. Got it. And so she interviews people and she writes their stories. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but if you like ghost stories... <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> if you like ghost stories... That, you know what you sounded like? When I didn't have my front teeth. Tangent time. I was like dusting on Stranger Things and I didn't have my two front teeth for um, like 15 years. (laughs) And my mom thought it would be really cute for me to be a cheerleader in third grade without my two front teeth. And the universe thought it would be really funny to put me on a team called the Oilers. I was on the Cowboys. But I couldn't say Oilers. Nope. But I'm loud and proud. And so... (laughs) And I'm short, so I was always in the front, and I would say Ola's all the time. All and I can think of is funky the funky ch- chicken. I mean, yes, that's what I was about to say. All I can think oh, of is God. the funky chicken cheer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I couldn't figure out why I had funky as your chicken and Ola's in the same, like I knew yes. it was a cheer, but why? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so when I, I have, I still have trouble with my R's and W's hey, sometimes. say, what's that word that it's a, it's not urban. Oh, God, you motherfucker. <laughs> I already said it once today. Rural. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> no, in, in your defense, I have to think about it when I say it, too. I have to be like, Rural. Yeah, I, mm, oh <laughs> like on Gilmore Girls, I'd be like Lorelai and Lorelai Jr. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but about Liz. So she tells these awesome ghost stories. She's a great writer in her voice. She doesn't have trouble with her R's. So there you go. <laughs> she can say story. Um, <laughs> I forgot that that was the word yeah. that got us on that yes. tangent. Yes. <laughs> um, so from her, I've been a fan of hers. Like for, from the jump. Yeah. Because I know I've told you some stories from mm-hmm. her. Well, last week or whenever... She was on this podcast called Let's Not Meet. Mm, yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, it's from the Let's Not Meet section of Reddit. So it's true stories that they have written, and this guy narrates it. Um, and they did a like collaboration, and so she narrated some. And her voice is so soothing. But I will be on the edge of my seat on those stories. The um, Let's Not Meet. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the edge of her, my seat. I'm on the edge of her seat. You know, stalker. Um, good Lord. It's not a ghost. It's just me. Hi. Flash uh, to next season of Dangerous Obsession on yeah. IV, and Donna is going to be on there stalking Liz. Yes. Okay. No restraining order needed. I'm not even anywhere close. But anyway, so uh, for both of those, if you like narratives, is that really not like conversational yeah, I guess. Like, single person telling a story. Oh, my God. <laughs> For all of those of you who have trouble with your R's, we see you. 
We the struggle you. is real. And we support you. You too can have a podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. Okay, anyway, shout out to Ghost in the Burbs and uh, Let's Not Meet. It's on my to-do listen. Yes. Something I can talk about is my story. Woohoo! Maybe. <laughs> we know I struggle with that. <laughs> okay. I am doing Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Never heard of it? Well, I was thinking Waverly Hills sounds familiar, but a, not as a sanatorium. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, it's located in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Not. Nope. Don't know it. It is known as one of the most haunted hospitals in the eastern U.S. I first saw it on Ghost Hunters. They were also on Ghost Adventures, because you know, old Zach, he goes everywhere, and Ghost Asylum, and also Scariest Places on Earth. Do you remember that show? It was on, like, ABC Family. Mm -hmm. I freaking loved watching that show. I don't think I watched it. I remember it, but I don't think I watched it. But they would do stuff so mean, though, because, like, it was usually families and stuff that would go in, and then they'd have to split up. And that's the first rule of scary movies. Don't <laughs> split up. I know. But then, so it would be like, and here is solitary, and you're going to stay there for 30 minutes, and blah, 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 blah. I would freak my freak. <laughs> but when I saw that, I was like, oh. <gasps> I love that show. Uh, ABC Family, whatever your name is, Freeform. Freeform. Bring that back, please, around Halloween. Please. Me and Carrie will be on it. Oh, we'll be on it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, it could be me and you and the two guys from BuzzFeed that does uh, the Unsolved series. Because one is you. He's a skeptic. And he'll just be like, uh, no, I'm pretty sure that was... Blah, you know, how you are. I'm talking about you, men in black and shadow people. <laughs> she does not believe in you. I do. Don't haunt me. <laughs> but, you know, he's like that. And then the other one is me, who's like... It's all real. Yeah, make that happen. Guys from BuzzFeed, hit us up. Yes, please. Or just listen to the podcast. <laughs> I you know, was going to say. friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Went off on a tangent there. <laughs> Imagine that. But I did not preface it with tangent time, so you had no idea where I was going. I sure shit didn't. I feel like <laughs> I say that a lot. I have no idea where you're going with this. <laughs> I don't either. Okay, it opened in 1910 as a two-story hospital for 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. They say the wetlands along the Ohio River were perf for the tuberculosis bacteria. Mm, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that your thing would be lying. <laughs> well, so they said because of that, they had the highest TB, which is tuberculosis. Thanks. <laughs> I know you know, but someone might not. <laughs> so they had the highest tuberculosis death rate in the U.S. It consisted of an administrative main building and two open-air pavilions, which each housed 20 patients for the treatment of the early cases. Then, in 1912, a hospital for the more advanced cases opened up for a treatment of another 40 patients. Uh, in 1914, a children's pavilion added another 50 beds. And this was not only for sick kids, it was also for the kids of parents who mm. had TB. Okay, I was thinking, 50 beds? God, that's a lot. Yeah. But that makes sense. Because... What they did at Waverly, it was built on a hill, and um, 
they were, you know, separated from the community because Mm -hmm. they had tuberculosis. Right. And so basically everyone was just quarantined there. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then in 1926, a five-story building that could hold more than 400 patients opened. God. Yeah. four-story building? Five-story. Oh, that's still not very big for... 400 patients. Yeah. But after the introduction of streptomycin in 1943, the TB, you know, gradually was treated. And so they didn't need a huge hospital anymore, and it closed down. They say that at least 6,000 people died during the 50 years of the opera- of operation. At that one hospital? Mm-hmm. And that was just of the records they could find, and they couldn't find all of them, so it could have been up to 10,000. Holy crap. Yeah. Sidebar, I wonder how many of those people that died started out as employees of the hospital. Right. Because, like, now, when, if a patient is suspected... If a patient is suspected to have TB, like, we have very specific respirators that you wear when you go in and all that stuff. And so it's like, now we know that and we have that technology. So it's like, what, like, how, how did those healthcare professionals protect themselves back then? Yeah. So how many of them died taking care of them? God, probably, (laughs) probably more than half. (laughs) 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 Probably. I was trying to do math in my head and I confused myself. <laughs> you added like eight syllables. <laughs> if one and one makes two, then six died. <laughs> so for the treatments. Um, This was before medicine was available, and they thought the best treatment was fresh air, plenty of nutritious food, and lots of rest. So fresh air, Mm -hmm. where your droplets from your your air will get all up in the fresh air and contaminate it and get everybody else sick. Well, that's why they were quarantined. In the fresh air? Oh, you mean like go out into the air? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, It it wasn't the right treatment. Yes. (laughs) Okay. It said that many patients survived their stay, but it was estimated that more died. How many patients did they have total if over 6,000 died, but many of them survived? Well, I said more died. But also, I think that 6,000 was also including something else. Oh, okay. Like, it becomes something else later. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so they used what they called sunrooms as another treatment. Basically, artificial light, the ultraviolet light. Mm-hmm. Think of like a fast food restaurant with those, like the warmer lights yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It was just like a big one of those. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, one weird thing. I mean, that's kind of weird, but I get it. But it's a thing. Yeah. And, I mean, I think they still Mm -hmm. use that today. Probably better, but... But, like, if people have, like, vitamin D deficiencies and stuff like that, yeah. Or, like, even babies in the NICU. Jaundice. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, the weird thing is that they would do this to dead people sometimes. What? Yes, girl. They said that they thought the family wouldn't want to see them all pale, so they would put them in this room so they could get a tan. Um... Yeah. I mean, they're right. I feel better when I'm tan. I mean, don't we all? (laughs) But 
that's just a little far. Well, and I mean, how, like, really, you're just cooking the skin because it's not like they're getting tan, right? It's not like there's like what is it the melanin increasing yeah. in your skin? Like it's not. Yeah, you're just like cooking them like bacon. Mm-hmm. Ew. I know. Why'd you have to say that? <laughs> I don't know because it created a mental image for me. <laughs> okay, so that that was kind of mild. Another one that was like, all right, this is okay, was fresh air. So they had these open porches on the outside of the building. And how it was built was kind of in like a U shape. It was rounded. So the wind, how it would blow in, could blow through all of these open porches. Oh. And carry away the droplets full of TB. Yes. So they were in these open porches, which would be nice in the summertime and stuff. But think about it when it's freezing, they'd still be out there. What? Yes. And there's pictures of them in their bed or in their chairs lounging outside and they have snow on them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. So here's where it gets. No. It wasn't already? I mean, it was, but like those... Tannin corpses? <laughs> I mean, they were doing it for the welfare of the family. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, that makes it all better. Just wait. I'll tell you what else they do with corpses. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> so, okay. Another treatment. They would place heavy sandbags on the patient's collarbones. And they would start with one pound. They would increase the amount per week until they were carrying five pounds on the upper part of each lung. What? Yes. Why? They thought compressing it would help the lungs, I guess. I have no idea. Now that don't make no damn sense. Okay, so then they would also do an artificial pneumothorax or whatever. I don't know. I'm not technical. Where they would collapse or deflate a portion of the lung so it would have a chance to heal. And they believe that when it did that, it would heal all of it. I'm silent because I'm just sitting here thinking, huh? I mean, I guess you can kind of see the logic in it. Like if they, let's rest this lobe of the lung so it'll be, yeah, I don't know, rested. <laughs> And heal. I don't know. That's crazy. Yes. Okay. So here is where it gets even worse. Balloons would be surgically implanted in the lungs and then filled up with air to expand them. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And just think about it, though, because they didn't put patients to sleep <gasps> during the this time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Could you imagine? No. And it gets worse. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there are operations where muscles and ribs would be removed from the patient's chest to allow the lungs to expand further and let in more oxygen. So lots of blood to do this because they're having to cut them from like their neck all the way. Sternum to stem. Yeah. Stem to sternum. Whatever. What's, a, what's the saying? I have no idea. You're the doctor. <laughs> Not that kind. <laughs> but okay. So then they can only remove two to three ribs at a time. So they'd have to undergo this several times because they would normally have to remove about seven or eight ribs. No. Hardly anyone survived this. Uh, duh. So can you imagine you're going through all of this pain and you're going to die? Probably. And meanwhile, it's a freaking bacterial infection and you need antibiotics, yes. not oxygen. But they don't know that. No, I know. So that was the treatments. Then I'm just going to tell you about another portion 
So you'll know more about uh, stuff later. Uh, After it closed, when TB was being eradicated, I guess, is that the word? Mm -hmm. Yay. It was opened a year after it closed. It was named Woodhaven Geriatrics Hospital, which was like basically an old folks home. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to say, like a nursing home? Yeah. So there were lots of rumors and stories about the patients and their mistreatment. (gasps) Oh, God. There is like, if if you believe in heaven and hell, there's a special place in hell for people who harm the elderly. Yes. Like, wow. Okay. So a former nurse said that this was the place people went to die. Oh, God. Yeah. The patients were very old and they didn't have any family. So no one to check in on them, really, you know, no one to have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. So they were subjected to experiments like electroshock therapy for no reason. Some of the visitors to the place reported that there was pee everywhere and cockroaches everywhere. (gasps) You know I don't like those. (laughs) Either one of those. Mm -mm. Actually, when you said that, I was like, I wonder which one Donna would rather. Oh, pee. Pee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, patients had to lie in wet beds and in their own feces for hours if not days Mm -mm. Uh uh-huh and they said that they would go crazy because they were just subjected to such weird shit they would be stripped down out of their clothes and tied to chairs and locked in their rooms for hours on end why no idea um, the staff reportedly didn't watch over the patients in wheelchairs well. And if they fell out of their chair and hurt themselves, the staff would be like, meh, they're going to die anyway. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Do you, Sorry. Do you know what year this is, did you say? Yeah, 1961. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so then, luckily, budget cuts and people, the visitors that saw this mistreatment reported it and it was shut down. Thank God. Yeah, in 1982. <gasps> yeah. 20 years later? Mm-hmm. Well, no wonder 6,000 people died. <laughs> yes. So can you imagine all of the torment no. that's in Nor this do I want place? to. Oh, my gosh. It makes my stomach hurt a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. For the hauntings... It has everything. You know, I mean, it has the standard disembodied screams, moans, you know, the kind that Carrie let out (laughs) when she gets horned. (laughs) Oh, God. Still telling all my secrets. (laughs) We heard what you sound like on the last, no, not last episode, the The one one before. before (laughs) Oh, damn. Sorry, Mom. I'm going to die if that was used on, like, in a porno or something. <laughs> like, wait, I know that. I you mean, told yourself. Not that I watch it or anything. I mean, uh, duh. <laughs> you told on yourself trying to call me out. <laughs> that is too funny. Okay, so other than moans, God, and now the next thing, children's laughter. <laughs> I just feel bad, like, Carrie's moans and children's laughter. (laughs) And also, that's just the creepiest. Uh -uh. You know what? Think about Robert. It's like, it's like children's laughter is like one of the best sounds in the world, Mm -hmm. but also one of the creepiest sounds in the world. Yeah, when it's not a kid. Yeah, it can either make you, like, make your heart smile, or it can make you, like, shiver in fear. Yeah. They say that uh, there's lots of lights and windows 
but there's no electricity. So people driving by would be like, what's going on in there? You know? So how creepy is that? Wait, so the lights look like they're on from the outside and yeah. there's no electricity? Yeah, in some rooms. What? And they don't have windows. So it's not like it's a reflection of something. And it's up on a hill. It's it's kind of isolated. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not like they have big cities that's going to yeah. reflect or yeah. what, any of that. So it's definitely something, something going on. Yeah. Could I say yeah again? <laughs> Here we go again. (laughs) She just wants to make that porno. (laughs) Okay, so here's where we get to some of the stuff. And by stuff, I mean with the uh, corpses. Oh, God. They did not make boob molds or anything like that. (laughs) Or I think last week you talked about um, a wallet made of skin. Yeah, human skin. You know what I picture? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I picture, you know, when they wrap, um, like, filet mignon and and, uh, the bacon Mm -hmm. and stuff. Or when they make it, like, bacon all over a hamburger patty Mm -hmm. and they put, like, the... The sticks in it? Yeah. The toothpicks? That's what I picture the wallet looking like. (laughs) Oh, my God. You really are a serial killer. (laughs) I didn't say it made me hungry. So, because it was on a hill... When it was snow and stuff, it was really hard to get supplies and stuff up there because people, one, they didn't want to interact with people there because they all have TB. Yeah. So they had this tunnel and they would receive supplies and stuff. And it was like a conveyor belt kind of mm-hmm. thing, not a conveyor belt, um, like pulleys and I was going to say like an stuff. old school, like like a laundry chute kind of thing yeah. where you could like raise it. Yeah, it was like a laundry chute. But um, they also had stairs that the workers could climb, but it was like when it's a slide. Oh, you know, on the bouncy, uh, the blow up slides mm-hmm. and stuff where they have the ladder that you mm-hmm. can walk up, but it's a slide yeah. down it. That's how this was. Like picture yeah. it. That's how it was. Probably everyone else knew exactly what it was 10 minutes ago. Uh, yeah. But I was still doing it. You know what it reminded me of? That first cruise that everyone went on back in the day? Uh-huh. Um, we did a, like, it was like a waterfall climb, like rock yeah. climb. Meanwhile, I'm not in good shape. It was like, <laughs> you climb a little bit and it's like plateau. You climb a little bit. Like, it, everybody could do it. Um, but it had stairs beside it for people who couldn't, like, climb it in the water. Oh. They could just walk up. So that's what I was picturing. Like a yeah. waterfall with the stairs beside it. Yeah. Well, aren't you just fancy? Meanwhile, you've been on like eight cruises. Meanwhile, cruises, that just means that we really are 90. <laughs> like, oh, I have a condo in Cabo. No, I went on a cruise. <laughs> and I ate, and I ate, and I ate. I mean, I can't help it if they have 24-hour pizza. They feed you like a baby on a cruise. <laughs> and the... Free room service. I forgot about that. And... The ice cream. Oh, my God. That ice cream. Look. Salt, look. Look. <laughs> you want to know the way to my heart? Soft serve with sprinkles. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You can roll me off that cruise like Violet Beauregard in Willy Wonka. <laughs> because if they had all of that, roll me off that bitch. Would you eat ice cream out of someone's belly button? <laughs> For how much money? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, everything has a price. <laughs> free hell no <laughs> i mean unless he was into it <laughs> and he just take a shower <laughs> um i need you to take a shower 
scrub in that hole. <laughs> That's what she said. There you go. I finally remembered it. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Sex in the City, when Samantha, I think, put sushi all over her body. Yes. All I'm picturing is your future person, like, being a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but see, then you get brain freeze, and then it gets all sticky. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Let's talk about death. <laughs> so, that was all well and good. But then they were like, hmm, what else could we use this for? And they used it to get rid of bodies. The dead what? <gasps> Oh, the shoot? Yeah, the shoot. So it was known as the death tunnel or the body chute. Meanwhile, let me get you some bread and milk through the death chute. <laughs> yeah. Um, they said that at the height of the epidemic, mm-hmm. there would be one patient per hour lost. <gasps> and they said that it was important for their mental health not to see someone die that all that time so they would just send them down the death chute now they're worried about their mental health right not all the other crap they're doing to them right okay and so that is like paranormal hotspot they have eerie shadows unexplained footsteps and disembodied voices i think i have some evps saved that i can put on the show notes so you can hear awesome Mm mm-hmm Okay, and so one other thing that was close to the death chute was called the draining room. And some people say this was legend, but then other people who have been there say that, okay, um, but explain X, Y, Z. I'll tell you. They say they hung up the dead upside down from poles near the death chute, the body chute, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, They would slit them from the stomach to the pelvic area (sighs) to drain their blood. It sounds so savage. Like something from a horror movie. Yes. Or like even worse than something you would do, like going hunting and killing an animal. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The thought behind it was that their blood could be a biohazard because it was infected and it would be best filtered through a sewage pipe. No. Mm -mm. Yep. And then just send them down the death tunnel. Mm -mm. But so people said, no, that's the boiler room. Or something, but people who have been there say, well, okay, why are there like eight long poles and hooks up in here? How do you think they hooked them up? I don't know. I'm picturing like, uh, God, why is everything bacon and pigs today? But like a meat market. I'm, yes. Ugh. And if there was that many people dying every hour, there really would be like eight strung up at once. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. One of the famous ghosts is called Timmy. Isn't that just a sweet name? Like, oh, mm-hmm. little Timmy. Well, because it makes me think of Tiny Tim. Yeah, and he was so sweet. Mm-hmm. I knew him personally. I was going to say, he called you? <laughs> he was on my first cruise. Oh, okay. <laughs> the original pen pal? Yeah. Um. Okay, so he was a six or seven-year-old boy who died at Waverly from TB. He loves to play with balls, like Carrie. <laughs> I was going to say, don't we all? <laughs> Hers is hairy, his is rubber. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, I feel bad, like, saying it, and he's a kid. Okay, so if you throw the ball or, like, bounce it or anything, he will play catch with you. And mm-hmm. I have a video where there's a ball, and the um, investigator tells him to move it, and he does. Like, you can see it move, and you can see it stop. What? Yeah. It's really cool. 
how they know Timmy's name is that one of the investigators had asked and he answered his name was Timmy. Okay. There's another person named Mary Lee there that haunts it. She doesn't live there. Well, I guess she does live there. Um, (laughs) How they know her name was a picture was found and on the back it said, love Mary Lee. And when the person found the picture, she realized that that looked like an apparition (gasps) she had just seen. Wow. Yeah. So they say that she is said to sometimes play with Timmy, not like not play with him, play ball like he does. She is said to haunt the third floor and she will run around and play hide and seek with you. Is she a kid too? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, forgot that. She's said to have creepy features. And if you see her close up, she has no eyes. They're hollow. (gasps) Yeah. Uh, No, thanks. Mary Lee can't see without her eyes. (laughs) Neither can Thomas J. He needs glasses, though. He has eyes. Not anymore. Damn. Mary is seen crouching in the corners and can be heard calling for help. And she also walks through walls. So people have thought they've seen someone and they're like, who else is here? But then she walks through a wall and they're like, oh, shit. Crazy. I mean, there must be something about Mary. (laughs) She has asked people to play with her. So they've captured that on EVP. Gosh. They said that she looks around six or seven and looks confused, which, I mean, I guess her eyebrows are up. I don't know without your eyes. I was going to say. Like, eyes are the window to the soul. She don't have a soul. That's right. Damn, that's true. (laughs) There's a lot of shadow people that are in this. So, like, you can see them in the halls, in the rooms. It's like their busy bodies just walking around. But there's one shadow spirit that is like the bad dude. The hat man? Even worse. He makes the hat man look like... Men in black? Mm. <laughs> Girl, you just ripping on them. That's okay. This is why your memory's so bad. They zapped you too many times. They probably probed her too. <laughs> okay. Um... So, he is known as the Creeper, which sounds creepy. Creepy. He is rarely seen, but when he does, he makes a lasting impression. Anyone who comes in contact has uh, a feeling of impending doom, which, I mean, I would feel like, yeah, if something's called the Creeper, sure. I feel like I would feel like that if I saw any of these things. Yeah, I feel like just driving by, I would feel that way. Right. So, while shadow people appear usually as a shape of a person, like we've talked before, mm-hmm. he is a person but more animal-like. He's usually spotted on the fourth floor, and he'll run down the hall towards you, but he also will walk up the walls and then get <gasps> on the ceiling above you and mm-hmm. hang down, and then he'll disappear. That legit sounds like a scary movie. Yeah. All I can picture is like how the ring or whatever. <gasps> That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't no, sure it was that movie. Maybe it's a grudge. They're the same movie. Yeah. Are they? No. They, oh. They're <laughs> the plot line is the yeah, same. Yeah, it's the same creepy girl. Um, but that's what I'm like. Me too, me too. That's what I was movements. picturing. That is so fucking creepy to be like a black mass mm-hmm. that you Oh no. Um, there's been a few occasions where EVPs have they have been doing an EVP and it picks up 
a warning for them to get out because he is coming. That's what they'll say. And so they assume it's this, you know, the really bad guy. They say that he is attracted to Waverly because of all the mi- all the misery and the sadness there. So he feeds off of that energy and probably like the fear of people when they come. And so that's why he's only seen sometimes. Mm-hmm. All I know is I never want to see him. Nope. No, thank you. If anything goes up the ceilings or the walls or anything, like, no. Mm-mm. Including insects. Yeah, that's when they get scary. On the floor, it's like, okay, I mean. The minute those babies fly. Oh, God, it's uh-uh. over. Mount. It's over. Bye. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. <laughs> Send me down the body chute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then there's another spirit, and she is thought to be from uh, the elderly home. And she is crying and she is bleeding from her wrists that are shackled in handcuffs and her feet that are shackled. And she'll cry for help and then she just poofs away. (gasps) Oh. But um, how they would lock them in their rooms and stuff and chain them to the chairs. That's how they think that she is from that time. I wonder if she killed herself with the yeah, right? wrist slits. Probably. Or the, or the bleeding from the wrist, I guess is what you said. Yeah. I saw this and I just, I'm putting it, but they said that there has been a hearse, not a real hearse, but they thought it was, that would be seen in the back dropping off coffins. But I don't get that. It didn't elaborate on that. So mm-hmm. take that for what it is. Okay. So then another spirit is of a homeless man and his dog. I've heard two different stories. Heard as in read. <laughs> I was about to say, how'd you heard them? How'd you, how'd you heard them? <laughs> okay. So one of the stories goes that uh, when it was empty, the homeless man and his dog went in and fell down the elevator shaft. <gasps> yeah. Um, Together? Yeah. But then another one says that he was pushed into the elevator shaft. By the fake hat man? Okay, you are teetering on pissing these spirits off. No. <laughs> what, what did you call him again? The creeper. Yeah. How yeah. could I not remember that creep it real? Um, no, by another person. So they feel like it was either some of it said like a satanic thing and he was sacrificed, but others say that it was like a deal gone wrong. Someone pushed him. But then I'm like, why the dog? Just leave him be. Yes. I, I don't hurt the animals. No. But so their bodies were found in the bottom of the elevator shaft, like, a while after. <sighs> but so people have seen him and his dog, and some have heard the dog bark and stuff. Aww. Mm-hmm. You know that would get me, because I'd be like, oh my god, what a cute dog. Oh, wait. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Don't come close to me. Okay, so another spirit... <laughs> There's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, well, 6,000 people, I imagine so. <laughs> right. So another spirit is a man in a white coat that's been walking around the kitchen. And uh, the smell of cooking food is sometimes wafted through the air. And it's usually like bread. Hmm. But it's like the kitchen's not in working condition. Yeah. No electricity you know? and all. Right. But I mean, it's like dilapidated. So it's so weird. And they're so isolated. It's not like you could smell stuff from like, you know, when right. people Across are the like street. Yeah, yeah. barbecuing. That is the best smell, though, when you go somewhere and you can mm-hmm. smell like the barbecue or the grill. Outside. The grill. Yeah. Whew. Anyway, am I hungry? Good Lord. <laughs> it's like everything's bacon. <laughs> 
<sighs> and for like meat too apparently yeah you know oh my god you know my favorite is really dry chicken <laughs> yes but hot dogs on the grill and they're like charred oh, oh god because you are so odd <laughs> with your things that you like <laughs> she likes really thin and really dry chicken yes the drier the better yes burned uh hot dogs which you just heard <laughs> yes Something else weird like that that's like, no, if no. If I eat steak, it has to be double well done. Yeah, which you, but you don't eat it. No, so. I don't like steak. Turkey, dry as it can be. Yes. Oh, God. You know why? Because I hate moist. I hate that word. I hate that word. I hate, the only thing I like moist is cake. I was about to say cake. <laughs> oh, God. And now I know why um, iTunes suggested that weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see my reply to it, though? Yes. Oh, my gosh. On the fifth floor, there's a room that's, like, super duper popular. If you know anything about Waverly, you know about this room. So we have action on the third floor with the ball throwing. Mm -hmm. Action on the fourth floor with the creeper guy. Room 502. Yeah. Yep. Multi-stories, multi-ghost. But the ghosts are like, this is my turf. Third floor, mine. Fourth floor, (laughs) yours fifth floor his oh my gosh that reminds me not of food but a pretty woman when they're on hollywood and they do it by the stars Mm -hmm. names and stuff god i love that movie that's a good movie um okay back to room 502 according to a story a nurse was found dead in room 502 in 1928 her name was mary hillenberg um she had committed suicide by hanging herself from the light fixture She was 29 years old at the time, unmarried, and pregnant. So her depression over the situation led her to take her own life. Um, It's unknown how long she had been hanging in the room before her body was discovered. Oh, God. Yeah. They say it was like another nurse on another shift. So, good Lord. Then in 1932, another nurse who worked in the same room jumped from the roof patio (gasps) and plunged several stories down to her death. No one seemed to know why she had done it, but many uh, speculated that she was either pushed over the edge or had TB and didn't want to have that same treatment. Yeah. So in room 502, there's lots of voices, lots of apparitions, and they see it, uh, a female nurse in white. <sighs> Uh, they've been told to get out by her and stuff. So I don't know. Oh, I would not want to be alone in 502. Nope. And be a female. Right. You know, mm-mm. Okay, now we're going back down to the fourth floor and it's the operating room. Okay. Um, This is a personal account that I saw online. And it said that they were locked in twice in the operating room. The door slammed and would not open. However, there's no lock. The door handle hole is open. <gasps> And they could not open it. Mm-mm. Yeah. They said until their guide asked politely if they would be allowed to leave, uh, then it opened up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the person said that they were more uneasy in that room than any other room in the entire building. Mm-mm. Because can you imagine no. all of those operations not being sedated? You know, like. I cannot even imagine. No. So you can do tours of this, usually around Halloween, but they do some tours. And I think they make you not, like, have a lot of light 
only in certain parts. A lot of it is just in the dark. Dang. Yeah. Which I want to go, but then again, I don't because my luck, I would not even see a ghost or hear anything, but I would like fall through, you know, a floor or some shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Step on a rusty nail. You know what I mean? Yep. And then it'd be like, was it worth it? No. If you're into ghost stories and stuff, you definitely know about the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, but maybe you didn't know all of the history. Yeah, that was really cool. Yay, I liked it too. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that doesn't make me scared, you know? Right. I mean, if I was there, I'd be scared, but it's not like Robert the Doll. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But there you go. Wow. I like sanatorium stuff like that. Like, that was one of my favorite American Horror Story seasons was the asylum. asylum. It was so good. And I think about that when you first started talking about the, like, the experiments and stuff that they did on the nursing home residents. I was kind of thinking about that in the... Like, that's what that one doctor character did on that season. So there's that one podcast, Lore. Um, have you listened to that? Uh-uh. Okay. It's all about folklore and, you know, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but he has um, on Amazon, like, a show. And on, I think, the second or third episode is all about lobotomies. And I had to tap out. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it was showing, you know, stuff. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I can hear about it, and that's bad enough, but to see a reenactment, no, I, I'm out. Oh, mm-mm. Well, that was good. I liked that one. Hey, did you like that one? I hate you. <laughs> now, let's see if you can top it. I think I can. You've been coming out with some really good stories. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, you ready? I'm ready. Picture it. Arizona. Hot. Sticky. No, not sticky. Ooh, sticky icky. Ooh. No, <laughs> we're used to hot and sticky. Uh-huh. There is dry. Yeah. Anyway, okay. April 1st, 1990. A state trooper is coming down the road, and he sees this truck, like an 18-wheeler semi, on the side of the road with its flashers on. So the state trooper, whose name is Mike Miller, was like, hey, he might need some help. Let me see what's going on. This truck's here in the night. You know, flashers on. Let's check it out. Yeah. So he walks up to the truck and he's got his little flashlight out looking. So he noticed some commotion in the rig because that's what they're called. Oh, okay. A rig. That's like the truck part. Oh. It's not the trailer part. I thought so it was like, a cab. I don't actually know if it's the cab part that's called the rig or if maybe the whole thing's called the rig. Yeah. I may have made all that up, but I do know it's called a rig. <laughs> Ten for good, buddy. Over and out. So he stepped up on it to look inside to kind of see, like, there's some shit happening. When he saw a, a nude woman in the sleeper part of the cab chained up to the wall. What? hmm She started, like, frantically screaming when she saw him. Yeah. So Miller, the state trooper, scrambled back there, like, with the curtain part to, like, see what was happening. So he was, like, trying to be calm. The lady's, like, screaming in the back. So he, like, lurches into the driver's side of the truck. Because, you know, they come from the passenger side. Yeah. Safety and shit. And so, like, lurched to the driver's side and, like, ordered the man out. And the guy got out. He was calm. Like, the driver was calm. Yeah. Saying, everything's okay. Everything's okay. And then he told the officer, like, I'm carrying a gun. And the officer's like, you know, it's the good guys who will tell you when they have a weapon. Yeah. So that you're not, like, patting them down and surprised. Um, and the guy was so calm, but the woman in the back was freaking out. Yeah. And so he followed the protocol, put the handcuffs on the guy put him in the back of the car just to kind of secure the scene yeah and then goes back to the truck 
to like see what's happening with the woman. Oh my gosh. I'm like Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the the driver's in the back of the police car handcuffed with a seatbelt on. So when he went back and saw the woman, he saw that she had wounds all over her. She had red welts all over her body, cuts on her mouth. She had a horse bridle strap um around her neck. Oh my gosh. And um a long chain like from the horse bit like up to the ceiling. Whoa. Of the cab. Um her hands and her ankles were handcuffed and so at that point he's like uh breaker breaker one nine i need some backup (laughs) and so like he tried to cover her and like keep her calm until backup got there right but she was so terrified that the trucker was going to come back well meanwhile the trucker is in the police car doing like houdini shit and slips his hands like down his feet and like so he's his hands are free like they're not behind his back anymore he like slips them under him and like out his feet so his hands were free i mean they were still handcuffed but they were not behind his back anymore double jointed fucker (laughs) (laughs) and he had unfastened his seatbelt too so i am completely screwed because i am not limber like that hell no i can barely even get out of my pants A bra? That's a bitch. Right. Yeah. Well, you can put your bra on and clasp it in the back. I have to put it in the front and twist it. Twist it? it. Uh Uh-uh. That's too much trouble. (laughs) GMI peeps. (laughs) (laughs) So his backup gets there, and they kind of, you know, manage the scene. They find the handcuff keys on the driver and unhook the woman that's tied up in the back but so they have the driver yeah he didn't like nothing really like nothing came of him slipping out of everything they it kind of all happened quickly and the backup arrived and everything was okay but it could have been bad yeah so when they get him back to um the police station we're gonna call the girl katie because that's what they do that's not her real name she's 27 years old it was not until they got to the police station that she was kindly kindly Mm-mm. Kind of starting to calm down a little bit and like actually answer their questions because she was so terrified that the driver was going to come back. Bless her heart. I know. And so they photographed all of her injuries and they identified the driver as Robert Ben Rhodes of Houston, Texas. <gasps> Ever heard of him? No. Okay. But just Houston. I know. Shit goes down in Houston. It, legit. People say that Florida is where all the crimes happen, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure half of our stories have been from Houston, and right. that ain't on purpose. Right. I said ain't. <laughs> I feel like this is an SVU it episode. It could be, yeah. I will say that this guy, there is like a character on um, Criminal Minds that was almost a two-season like character like weaved in. Yeah. A serial killer weaved in, and it was based on this <gasps> Yeah. So when the police were interviewing um, Katie, she said that she had gotten in Rhodes' pickup truck at um, Rip Griffin's truck stop just north of Phoenix. She would hitchhike pretty often, like, to get rides to go to her friends' houses. And she said that whenever Rhodes offered her the ride, he was very polite. And so she was like... Okay, he seems nice. So once they got on the road, she fell asleep. While she was asleep is when he, like shoved her into the sleeper part of the cab and shackled her Mm -hmm. bless it yeah so once he got her shackled down in the back of the like the sleeper part of the cab he took out a briefcase and opened it up and it was all of these 
torture <gasps> devices. Like basically from the like the moment he opened that up, he just like tortured her on and off day in and day oh out. Oh my gosh. She had long red welts from whippings that covered her chest and her back. Bless it. Um, and she told police that Rhodes had told her that his nickname was Whips and Chains. That's creative. Yeah, that was also his CB name too, by the way. Okay, um, something should have been tipped off there. Right. And that he also told her that he had been doing this for 15 years. What? He's a bragger. <laughs> um, when police asked her if she had been raped, she kind of hesitated. Um, and then she said that she had been rescued just in time. But they said that, um, like, even though she didn't, like, she didn't say that she was raped, they don't believe her because, um, like, in the photos and stuff, she had severe injuries that revealed that her nipples and labia had been punctured with sharp objects. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And that um, she told police that Rhodes, like, got off on the torture. So, I guess he would, like, oh. masturbate and stuff. So, he may not have actually raped yeah. her, but he... Mutilated her. Mm-hmm, and then got off by it. Wow. So, then police went from there and asked her some more about the torture kit, basically. Yeah. The briefcase with all the stuff in it. And that she said that... Or I'm sorry, the police said that he clearly took like very care, very good care of the briefcase of stuff. Like it was very like meticulously organized and yeah. clean and all of that. And in the kit, they found alligator clips. <gasps> oh my gosh! Oh, I know. Is my that kind of like a binder clip? <laughs> oh my god, they're the hard ones with the little. Oh yeah, duh, alligator teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ouch. I'm sorry, Ouch. y'all didn't see me, but like the alligator like, teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did that. With her face. I mean, with her finger. <laughs> with my fingers, but my nipples hurt. Because <laughs> you know they did that. You know that's what he... Oh, God. Oh, my God. My lady parts. So, alligator clips, leashes, handcuffs, whips, pins, and dildos. Pins? Pins. Because remember, he she had pin marks on her nipples and labia. Yeah. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. So, the police were like, okay, we, we knew at that point... We had some sort of serial rapist on our yeah. hands. So then... You think? Right. Mm, good detective work. Yeah, no. even I put that together. <laughs> I mean, he did say he'd been doing it for 15 years to her. Right. So then they went and interviewed Rhodes. And he was very chill. Like, the police said you could see him. Like, had they not, like, busted him with this girl, like, handcuffed in the yeah. back of his truck? Like, he could have talked his way out of anything. That's a sociopath. Right. And so when they were interviewing him, he was like sprawled out on the couch, was like yawning. Like it was like inconvenient to him to be there. And he was basically placing the blame all on the girl and saying like a quote of him with her is that she wasn't playing with a full deck. What an asshat. I know. I know. Rhodes also kind of like not demoralized her. That's not the word I want to use, but kind of like that. But he called her a lot lizard. What? (laughs) So like. Truck stops, like oh, the lot, oh, like yeah, a lot okay. lizard, and said um, <laughs> that he was like, that's what this woman is, a lot lizard, and that you don't have sex with women like that at truck stops, quote, unless you want your dick to fall off. So basically, he was just saying, like, she's a sex worker that yeah. is nothing. And, and she deserves it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't fuck her, but I'll torture her. Right, exactly. She's worthless. Right. Fuck you, Rhodes. Right. Oh, I'm turned up on this. Oh, my blood. I know. And my nipples. <laughs> <laughs> so the police took some photographs from Ro- on Rhodes, too, because he did have some injuries, like, to his arm and his flank, where, I guess, Katie had fought back. Yeah. 
Or he self-harmed. Hmm. Maybe. Through all of that, he was booked for aggravated assault, sexual assault, and unlawful imprisonment. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, he's got to be, like we said, a serial rapist. So they sent out um, a teletype nationwide. The other thing that they did was they sent all this information to the Houston Police Department because that's where he lived. All right. So now that we know it's Ben Robert, no, Robert Ben Rhodes. Strike that, reverse it. Let's go back and learn a little bit about him. So he was born in Iowa in 1945. And um, in his early life, he was raised just by his mom because his dad was in the army and was stationed in West Germany. And so there's not really a lot known about exactly where he was raised. But basically, I think somewhere kind of in the Iowa area. Okay. When he was in elementary school, though, is when his dad was discharged from the Army and came back home and started working as a firefighter. But uh, Robert Ben Rhodes, he had a normal childhood. Like, he had some social problems in his younger years, but for the most part, he was involved in extracurricular activities. He was in, he played football, wrestling, he was in the choir, he was in the French club. I mean, I know. And so it wasn't until high school when he started having some run-ins with the law. When he was 16, he was arrested for tampering with a vehicle. At age 17, he was arrested for fighting in public, which is like nothing. I feel like that's like, I feel like that's like, I mean, not that you should commit a crime, but I feel like that's right. Regular old teenage boy stuff. Yeah. Because he's not, he's like five years older than my dad, you know? And so I think about like what my dad grew up doing, like, that was normal for guys to fight. Right. I mean, now your ass would go to jail. But back then, it was like, you had a problem with somebody, you beat the shit out of them. You yeah. know? Oh, um, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, he graduated from Monticello High School, and he joined the Marine Corps. And that was in 1964. That same year, his father was arrested for molesting a 12-year-old girl. Oh, gosh. And then his dad committed suicide awaiting trial. Even though stuff says, like, he had a normal childhood and all this stuff, I kind of find it hard to believe that it, when he's 18 and joining the military and moving off, like, that's when his dad decides to start molesting kids. Right. Um, mm, No. I'm thinking not. Right. I'm not saying his dad molested him, but I'm saying I find it very hard to believe that his dad was however old, old enough to have an 18-year-old son and just yeah. randomly was like, it's time to start molesting people. Yeah. So, I don't buy. I have nothing else to do. I mean, I'm retired. <laughs> I don't know if he's retired. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. I ain't got no, no job. job. I ain't got shit to do. <laughs> I she'll be fine. Like, uh, 12-year-old, I'll, I'll take her. <laughs> oh, gross. God, I hate gross, people gross, like gross, that. Gross, 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 gross. Rhodes was only in the military for about three or four-ish years before he was discharged dishonorably because he was involved in a robbery. Oh, Lord. He got out of the Marines. He started to go to college, dropped out of college, tried to go into law enforcement, but they were like, uh, hell no, you were dishonorably discharged. Yeah. No thanks. Between the 70s and the 80s, he he married three different times and then... Indecisive. Yeah. And then um, he did have a son with his first wife. He kind of bounced through jobs. He worked at, like, different types of stores, warehouses, restaurants, um, until he eventually became a long-haul trucker. In the 80s is when he was really in the BDSM scene. Yeah. And that's where he, you know, got his nickname. Okay, so we're going to flash back forward to the Arizona police, or uh, state police, digging into 
what had happened what had happened they realized along with the houston police that there was a kidnapping that was a very similar mo and so they were like okay pretty sure he did this yeah so it was an 18 year old girl and he kept her for two weeks oh my gosh bless her heart He cut her hair very, very short and shaved off all of her pubic hair. She had been, I mean, just tortured for the two weeks that she was with him. He talked about killing her, but one day he forgot to close the handcuffs. And so she was able to escape. Thank God. She described him to the police, but when the police officers showed her him, like, they say, like, face-to-face. So, this was clearly not, like, why would you show, like, put a victim in front of an assailant like that? Right. I don't know. Of course, this was, I don't have the exact year of that one, of when that happened. But, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, police procedures have changed, though, because they found the truck in 1990. So, that was a long time ago. So, anyway, when... um. They put him face to face. She just kind of like looked at the ground and was like, that's not him. Um, and so they couldn't keep him anymore because they didn't have a they didn't have a victim. Right. And so um, later on. Well, they she, had a victim. But they didn't have a victim that would that would identify him, would testify, yeah. would press charges. Yeah. Um. So later on, the she told him that he did do it, but he, she was too afraid, and that went because he. I mean, for weeks and weeks and weeks, he tortured her. Yeah. That um, she was like, you know, there's not enough people to protect me, and right. that she was kind of like, so because she was so iffy, the case wasn't really going to go anywhere, and then, but it's like he knew what he was doing oh, because for sure. he chose these victims, you know, because if, if you look at these two, they were both like vulnerable, right disenfranchised mm-hmm. people who were naive, young, yeah. or hitchhiking, you know, just these, a sex worker, what have you, that he, I don't know if he didn't think anybody would miss, I don't know, but someone that nobody, even if they did get caught, the police aren't really going to believe them. Right. Based on the times. So they found two other victims in two other states that had a, basically the same story. Oh and gosh. so clearly he has a pattern of cutting the hair short and all, you know, all of that. Yeah. So they were like, okay, clearly we've got more and more evidence. Like we need to search his Houston apartment because they were like, he's a sexual sadist. Yeah. Sexual sadists usually keep some sort of like, not memento in like a trophy, but like mm-hmm. a, a journal or a photograph or something to help them relive it. Right. And so they're like, well, he's got to have something because there wasn't anything in the trucks. So they're like, we got to go. He's got an apartment in Houston. We need to go search this. Yeah. So they found an apartment in Houston that he was the only one on the lease. But the apartment manager, I love that this article was like, the apartment manager was nosy and <laughs> entered his apartment. Because they, and they didn't because they didn't have a search warrant yet. Oh. And so the apartment manager went in because they didn't have a search warrant. And she said that she saw handcuffs, whips, like a bunch of different bondage things, even like bondage magazines, women's clothes everywhere. The manager said that Rhodes' wife at the time, it was his third wife, they were like estranged though, I think, um, had recently come to go to that apartment. And oh that my gosh. she said that Rhodes had told her to like get rid of everything. And so they were like, cops were like, mm, clearly he's got shit to hide in there. Yeah. I do feel like I want to take a tangent time and say that just because someone's into BDSM does not make them a sexual sadist. Oh, for sure. And like, I feel like some of this stuff of, oh, they found, I don't even remember what I just said. Whips and chains and all that. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like someone with a, like, a couple could have those things and yeah. it not be, like, a sexual status. And so I don't want it to sound like we're, like, 
oh, he uses handcuffs. He, you know, you right. use handcuffs, no. you're a sexual sadist. No, he is because he did it to torture people who weren't right. part of the game. Right. They it wasn't were... their sex life, consensual sex life. Yeah. He was doing it, you know, to them. Yeah. Versus with them. That's where it draws the line. Right. And I don't, I don't know. I just felt like I want to make that point. Like, we yeah. are not, if you are into BDSM, again, I feel like I say this all the time, but you do you. Like, yeah, you have sure. the sex life that you want to have. If you as like long as you have alligator clips, oh, you go right ahead. Yes. Not me. As long as you have a consensual partner. Yes. It's when you this not consensual that we draw the line. So on April 6th, they had their search warrants and they went into his apartment and tracked down his wife. In his apartment, they took out all his bondage materials, women's clothing, a bunch of makeup, um, and then a bunch of white towels that were covered in blood. Oh. And apparently the white towels were part of his MO along with, like, the cutting the hair short, because he would place white towels beneath his victims before he started, like, the sexual torture. And, like, when I read that, you know what all I could think about was? What? Wasn't it on Fifty Shades where he would make her, like, bend, like, she had, like, squat down on a certain pillow before they would start? So, anyway. Well, you know what? I, God bless me. (laughs) Because I was just thinking, I wonder if he jerks off into their blood, like, on the towel. You truly are one (laughs) brain injury away from being a serial killer. Well, because, you know, like, he wants to collect their blood. Like, does he inhale it? Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) You go to Fifty Shades of Grey. You go to a serial killer. Yeah, I do the Fifty Shades of Decom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. I don't know. It didn't go into that much detail. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. So the um, oh, because I don't think I said this, but at this point, this is like FBI involvement. Okay. Um, I don't. So it's like FBI agents who are looking at his apartment. They took a lot of photographs from the house um, that had a bunch of different young teenager girls in it in the pictures, and they all had very short hair and just kind of like in various stages of clothing. Yeah. And and in the pictures, they were always like shackled in some way like with handcuffs somehow gosh and they also knew that from the pictures that some of these women were with him for a long time because they would have like old and new bruises oh man i know so one of the fbi agents agent lee he found um this one picture of a girl that just like the rest of them had um short hair, various stages of bruising around her breasts, and then shaved pubic hair in various, like, again, various stages of regrowth. So clearly had been over a period of time that he was, that she was with him. Yeah. And just in the picture of the girls, like, just her her eyes, that he was just like, it was like a vacant stare. She looked so terrified and, and like, tearful. And that photo just stuck with Agent Lee. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, how do I figure out who this girl is? You know, he was like, I can't broadcast a picture of her because what if it was consensual? Then we're putting this girl on blast when it was just a consensual relationship. But if it's not and she's a victim, how the hell do we find out who she is? Yeah. So, again, when they're searching all this, this is like 1990. And so, according to Agent Lee, he called me at home, um, (laughs) he said that the FBI office was like – very open and it was like kind of like this one big large room where you could kind of hear other agents talking and stuff and so someone heard him discussing the case with somebody else and was like this sounds like a case i had in rural 
Illinois. Oh Lord! And the victim was found in a in a barn loft. Um, the farmer was going to was about to burn the <gasps> barn down. Oh my god! And like he had gone through it and looked through everything, and then like you know went off and then was like, okay, I'm gonna burn it down. But you know what? Let me look through it one more time, make sure I didn't oh forget anything. And that's when he found the body. Wow. Yes. So had he not, if he had just burned that barn down, they might have never fi- might have never found her. Yeah. But because he was like, mm, let me go back one more time and just make sure. It's like, you know, like, let me just make yeah. sure. Um, and then he found her body. The body was of a young woman who had been strangled with bailing wire. Wow. Yeah. And that was attached to a wooden beam. And, like, they said that the wire was, like, twisted over and, it, like, way beyond what would be would have been necessary to kill her. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. God, this is so sad. Um, Her hair was really short. Um, her pubic hair had been shaved. They were like, okay, well, this sounds like our guy. Yeah. The victim had been identified through dental records as 14-year-old Regina Walters. No. From Pasadena, Texas. Gosh. Yeah. Which Pasadena is just south of Houston. It's like Houston area. She was last seen in February of 1990 um, near Houston with her boyfriend, Ricky Lee Jones. And, you know, so her boyfriend, Ricky Lee Jones, was 18 years old. And so people thought that he had kidnapped her or had taken her. And so there was a, so like they had had like a missing person on her. So like I said, her boyfriend was 18 years old. He was from Houston and he had had a few brushes with the law. And so, and he had kind of had a rough childhood. Like he and his siblings were taken from their from their mom by child protective services Mm. when he was young and he had become like he had just like really liked regina walters he didn't know she was 14 at the time i mean not saying i mean whatever but they say that like they were in love and they were gonna be they were hitchhiking to mexico oh lord even though like they were both missing like his family was reporting her him missing hers was reporting her missing but he had been charged in like the uh, what they call it the absentia like he's being charged like in absence oh yeah of the crime yeah um, because they couldn't find him or her and so because he's 18 they're like well we're gonna charge him because even if they ran off because they were in love to mexico it doesn't matter he's 18 she's 14 yeah we're charging him so you know how i said they were talking in the um fbi mm-hmm, headquarter thingy and that guy was like hey this reminds me of that and so that was the whole thing i just told you about yeah well regina walters ended up her picture that was one of the pictures that they found that was her oh in in his thing and so regina walters father had (laughs) had actually been getting anonymous phone calls to both his work and his unlisted home number what months after the disappearance the caller would tell her dad I made some changes. I cut her hair. And then when her dad would ask if she was alive, the caller would hang up. Can wow. you believe that? What a piece yeah. of shit. Mm-hmm. And so the they were able to like kind of like trace where the calls had been coming from, but what they found in Rhodes' apartment was with in photographs, it was like a series of pictures from her. And in the picture, she had on a black dress, black high heels. We have this picture. It is. Oh, my gosh. Like, I I can literally just see this picture 
in my head talking about her with her black dress and the oversized black heels that she had on and just her facial expression. She's like kind of got her hand up. Oh like, my God. I don't want to do this. It, it is chilling because it is the last photograph ever taken of her. Oh my God. I had chills. I know. My I eyes are kind of tearing up telling that. Oh um, my gosh. And so like the pose and like where she is in that picture is the same as the crime scene in Illinois. So, like, they know that those pictures were taken at that barn in Illinois, and then he took it with him. And just left her there. I know. I know. So, like, they, like, years after that, they were able to go through all the pictures and just, like, see the torture that he inflicted on her. So, Rhodes was sentenced to six years for the kidnapping of fake Katie. That's not her name. Yeah. He was... That's it. Yeah. Um, he was about to start like a work furlough program and they were like wanted to go through all the all the evidence seized yeah. from his truck because he was convicted and all and that evidence was tagged for destruction <gasps> because he was convicted of it. And so they were like, Okay, we can get rid of the evidence and they were like, Oh, skirt. Yeah. Do not get rid of this. This is like how we can link him to others. Yeah. And so they managed to salvage it all. Oh my and gosh. among the evidence that they salvaged from his truck was a notebook of Regina's that had her dad's enlisted phone numbers in there. That's how he got them. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Busted. Yep. And so by using his trucking logs and when the calls happened, they were able to, like, piece together when he, like, what truck stops and all of that that he was making those calls at Yeah. throughout the, like, the time. Yeah, the duration. Yeah. And then um, one thing they did find in the notebook was someone had drawn, like, a really bad picture of a gun with, like, blood droplets on it. <laughs> really bad picture. Yeah. but And then and, and then wrote in, like, words above it, Ricky is a dead man. What? Yeah. Like, Ricky was her boyfriend. Oh, oh. Regina's boyfriend. I'm and sorry. so, like, Ricky's a dead man and then drew the wow. thing. Yeah. And so they showed that picture with that writing to his wife and she was like yeah that's his writing like that's wow. his handwriting and he um, can't draw <laughs> we always lost at pictionary god <laughs> that's why i divorced him i'm competitive and we always lost yes ugh how could he <laughs> i mean he took forever to draw a stick figure and then he like used my clothes on torture victims <laughs> though okay sorry now that we're talking about the wife so he called her and wanted her to get rid of stuff Mm -hmm. so did she go in there she saw all of that i don't know why are you asking me hard questions (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) tables have turned usually it's you (laughs) okay but so he was um in 1992 is when they were like gonna bring him to court about it Mm -hmm. and so his court appointed attorney was like okay let's plead let's plead this out and so to get a life sentence without parole versus death penalty he pled guilty to the death of um regina walters wow okay here's the kicker someone used alligator clips on him in prison no but Um, his penis was too small (laughs) (laughs) okay so, you're probably going, what happened to her boyfriend? Oh, yeah, totally. What happened to Ricky? Guess where he was found? Mexico. Here. 
Lamar County, Mississippi. What? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I think I echoed because that was so like, what? Yep. You know why I know this story? You know him? No. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> He's my cousin. <laughs> He's my neighbor now. This is why I know this. The other day, I was talking to a Lamar County deputy sheriff, <sighs> and we were talking about the podcast, and he was like, do you know the Muffin, the Muffin Man? Man? <laughs> he was like, do you know... Do you know old Ricky? Um, he was like, do you know Robert Ben Rhodes, the serial killer? And I was like, no. Wait, Ricky's dead? Ricky's the boyfriend. I know. Yes, his body was found here. Oh, his body was found here. <laughs> he was like living and it up you here. say i don't listen to your stories the tables have still turned <laughs> you said he was found here and i thought he was like living it no, up no he did well i didn't know he was just drawing it <laughs> i didn't know i mean i draw yes. shit <laughs> don't look at my journal no i'm just kidding i am not a serial killer i'm so sorry you're just close to one <laughs> i just play one on the podcast yeah. okay okay anyway yeah so so to be clear okay ricky lee jones was regina walter's boyfriend i know and he died in lamar county he was dumped in lamar county he died where he picked them up in houston so he killed ricky immediately so that he could get control of the situation so that he could keep regina and torture her for weeks on end so but he dumped ricky's body here in lamar county mississippi wow yeah so yeah so i was talking to the lamar county deputy sheriff and he was asking me like do you have you ever heard of robert ben rhodes and i was like no and he was like well he dumped one of his bodies here and i was like uh skirt yeah hold the phone how did I, how, how have I never heard of this? Right. And even when I was looking this up, I could not find any articles, like, from our local news. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, honestly, I'll be honest. I didn't spend a crap ton of time digging for it, but I could not find any articles from our local newspaper or local news about them finding his body. Wow. But this de- this deputy sheriff told me that, um, I can't remember if he was doing, like, some training... <laughs> I'll see him tomorrow. I'll get more details. But meanwhile, we've recorded today. But um, I can't remember if he was, like, doing some training and was interviewing a bunch of different, like, murderers. But he had a phone call, phone conversation, a phone interview with Robert Ben Rhodes. What? Yes. Yes. Holy And he didn't, shit. like, go into, like, details about it. But I was like, oh, my God, I've got to look this up. And so that's oh, why that's why I'm doing whoa. this this week because I was like oh my god i do know this story like i i have heard this story before i think there's um there's a couple of different shows about him like like doc like id type shows about him and then like i said they weaved him in as a character on criminal minds for like a season and a half or two full seasons like wow yeah but we're not done oh so he ended up confessing to another murder. Oh, shit. I know. And this one was actually, I think, one of his first. So, like I said, he preyed on kind of, like, disenfranchised people. People who were hitchhikers, sex workers. Again, one of the, like, first kind of confirmed victims. So, he picked up Candace Walsh and Douglas Zakowski from a truck stop in Seattle. 
1989. They were hit hitchhiking to go to Georgia. And so when he picked them up, he, again, immediately killed Douglas Zakowski, just like he did Ricky Rowe. I mean, Ricky... Um, Lee Jones. Thank you. God, I'm really bad with names. <laughs> and then he disposed of his body, like, somewhere between San Antonio and El Paso. Wow. And then, and but he was found in 1991, but it wasn't until 1992 that they identified his body. Um Gosh. And then he kept Candace... Um, Watch. Mm-hmm. In his truck for over a week. And then, like I said, tortured and raped and did all those things to her and then dumped her in millard county utah oh my gosh one of the other things like with his traveling torture chamber as they called it that you know he had his little kit of stuff that he would he would do he would also pierce them like all over their body with fishing hooks (gasps) oh Um, no yeah and so it does look like he he would dress them up in cl- like different clothes, which is yeah. why he had so many women's clothes. But Regina is he like I said for her he dressed her up in that black dress and just like he had those shoes. So I wonder whose clothes those were because the shoes were too big for her. Like so they weren't her clothes. Yeah. So I wonder whose clothes they were and like like I want details about that. Like was it it was probably another other victims? victims? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Or was it like he was into that you know and so like did he like get women's clothes on his own and then he would dress them up to look like someone yeah you know i I wonder i'm I'm not sure i mean obviously we don't know those details normal we ever i mean he's been through three wives so they could Could really be be some of theirs yeah and or if he you know again i know that they said his childhood was good but i mean i don't think it was if his dad was arrested at when he was 18 for molesting a child, like I just was he maybe abused or something like that. Yeah. And he's like recreating outfits maybe his mom wore and then killing, torturing and killing his right. mom over and over again. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but I just feel like there's so much that we don't know about this. Yeah. But they say that he killed women over a 15 year span and that um, at the peak of his killing spree, he was killing one to three women a month. Whoa. And so if you think about, like, how long he was keeping them, like, if he was, I mean, a week to two weeks to more, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a ton. So they used all of his trucking logs and have linked him to at least 50 unsolved murders. Holy fuck. And they think it can be up to, like, over 100 oh, murders. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And so he is known as the interstate killer because he would yeah he would pick these young women up hitchhiking or at at truck stops and all of that so he is serving um basically two life sentences without the possibility for parole for the death of regina k walters and candace walsh and douglas zakowski but i feel like what i have found is not very clear on actually which ones he's convicted of i feel like that should should have been clear in my research but it honestly it really wasn't so for sure what i've found that was kind of clear was that he was convicted of first degree murder for regina k walters and was sentenced to life without parole in illinois 
And then it says he was extradited to Utah in 2005 to be tried for the deaths of Candace Walsh and Douglas Zakowski, but that the victim's families were like, can we just drop these charges? Like, I don't want to deal with it because, wow. like, he did it. He's already in life in prison. Like, we don't want to recount all of this. Yeah. And so he was just returned to prison. But then it says he was later extradited to Texas for the murder of Walters, Regina Walters and Ricky Jones, where he was given a life sentence without parole for pleading guilty to avoid the death penalty. But he's in Illinois serving that life sentence. And so it's like, that that's not, you know, see why I'm saying it's not very clear. Yeah. It's like, so it says that he's serving for um, Candace Walsh and Douglas Zakowski, but, but he's not because the family asked him to drop. So that's why I'm saying it's not clear. Either way, he's serving a life sentence in the Menard, I'm probably saying that Menard, Menard, mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce things. M-E-N-A-R-D. Words. Minard is country. (laughs) Minard is probably correct. (laughs) It's fancy. Yes. Um, Well, I don't know how to say words. So he's at that (laughs) correctional center in Chester, Illinois. And that is... Chester the molester. The truck stop killer. Wow. So 50 plus victims. Wait, is he the truck stop killer or the interstate killer? Both. All of the above. Wow. A man of many names. So, that's him, yeah. Wow. I know. There's, like, I don't know, so much I want to ask him. Yes. Why did you choose those clothes? And, like, some of the stuff I read said that, like, with his wives, he really liked the BDSM in their sex life, and they weren't really into it. And so, like, is that kind of what drove him to it because he wasn't into it? Because one thing I read did say that he would that he would often, like, hire sex workers and stuff to... Mm to do like BDSM with especially like even when he was married so because his wife wouldn't do it so I'm just wondering like how did he go from let me hire a sex worker to do this with to "Mm, it's easier just to kidnap someone and keep them for weeks on end you know like how did he well because he probably really is a sociopath so that was his starting out but then it was like "Mm, this isn't getting it for me anymore they're letting me do this right because he's a sexual sadist yeah and and so then he gets off on the pain it had to go further yeah and two i'm sure like if he hired a sex worker they were gonna be like sure stick fish hooks in me right you know and so he needed to do more that oh my gosh i know I know. I can't remember what it was on, but they had hooks in their back, and they would suspend themselves. Yes, yes. I know exactly. Oh, God. I, like, I can't even talk about it. I know. Legit, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, I cannot even Ooh. talk about it. I know. Uh, and, you know, I wonder, too, like, he was caught in 1990. And so it's like, yeah, we had computers and blah, blah, blah. But, so, like, let's say that he started in 2005. Mm-hmm. How long would he have gotten away with it, with technology the way it is now, and being able to, like, piece together those same MOs? Because it was he had a very clear MO. Yeah. Kept them for a long time, sh- cut their hair short, had them in clothes that probably didn't fit them. Yeah. The wet, t- I mean, the white towel that he put them underneath, you know, and then just, too, I feel like we've gotten a little bit better as a society of listening to and not just dismissing mm-hmm. like people who we consider to be not a reliable witness like right. a sex worker or someone that's homeless or something like that yeah. i just again those disenfranchised populations where as before and i feel like that's a common theme too in the stories that we've told mm-hmm. like people who are gay people who are sex workers people who are 
don't know, homeless or considered just a runaway yeah. or whatever. And it's like, no, that's not what they are. Don't no. make an assumption because you think you know who somebody is. Yeah. Like you never know somebody's story. Nope. And that's, I feel like, one of the takeaways. Definitely. One, don't hitchhike. Although I feel like that's not a thing. It's actually illegal in a lot of places now. Because like one of the articles I was reading was talking about the culture of hitchhiking and how it has significantly decreased. One, with the availability of public transportation stuff, it's Mm -hmm. decreased. Two, because of the just the recognized dangers now. Yeah. Because it's it's not safe for the driver either. Like, you know, you think about the person hitchhiking as always being the victim, but not always. Right. Sometimes it's the driver, too. And so, I mean, you just never know who you're picking up or who's picking you up. But they were just talking about how that being a culture because, you know, truck drivers are on the road for so long and alone for so long that yeah. they would often pick up hitchhikers just to have someone in the truck to talk with to keep them awake so that they yeah. could drive further and make more money because they're able to drive longer because they're not falling asleep and, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, that's just so dangerous. So don't yeah. hitchhike. You know what? Every time I see an 18-wheeler on the side of the road, I'm going to be like, what are you doing there? What is in your sleeper cab? Yes. And do you have a kit and caboodle that has shit in it? It was a briefcase. Um. I know, but it's just (laughs) funnier to think of that. God, Carrie. Have you ever... Okay, like... Yeah, I had a kit and caboodle. I did have a caboodle. Mine was green. Casey's was pink. Mine was pink and purple. It was kind of swirly. Oh, no. Ours wasn't. Ours was kind of swirly, but it was like marbly. Yeah, that's what And so what it I was mean. like green and like white marbly and like a pink and white marbly, I think. Oh. And then we would get like all of mom's and our other two sisters, Christy and Kelly's, make old makeup yes. and have it in there. And then we'd, I don't know, put it on. Bob's. We put it on. <laughs> we wouldn't just store it. We'd play in it, too. <laughs> and mine was not kept neat. Yeah, mine either. <laughs> <laughs> we could have taken some pointers from old Robert. Right. You think he was? Go- he went by Bob? No, he was, what was it, Whips and Chains? Yeah, Whips and Chains. <laughs> My name's Leather Daddy. Whips and Chains, 10-4, good buddy, over and out. <laughs> like, mm, if someone said that, I would be like... Okay, next channel. I think there was an episode of Our America with Lisa Ling uh-huh. that was on. Well, there's a couple episodes of that I know that are on like sex workers in general uh-huh. um, and like sex trafficking with teenagers and that sort of thing. But I want to say there was one on um, sex workers being at truck stops. After watching that Our America with Lisa Ling, I really would every time I stopped at a rest stop or an actual truck stop. Mm-hmm. Um, to like gas up or whatever when I was driving to Tampa every month for grad school, I was like, I wonder, like every time I would see a someone like walking among the trucks, because yeah. that's how they did it on, like they showed how they did it on the show was that they would like have CBs that they would like radio to this one truck, I guess, that where all the girls were. And then they would be like, okay, walk down to the fifth truck on the left that says this. And then wow. she would like go down to that truck, do whatever they were paying her to do and then come back and say like every time i would see women like walking among the trucks i'm like are they a driver or are they a sex worker like i want to know and are they there willingly or are they there as a is being sex traffic you know or well i think actually the terminology now is just human trafficking period like it's not sex trafficking versus anything else like it's just human trafficking period i'm so nosy too right (laughs) well yeah 
I'm that person that wants to know every detail. Like, we'll do that. Like, if we're at a restaurant, we're like, what do you think their life story is? You think they're on a first date or you think they've, like, been married? Or, you know, like, it's like, like, we're just those people. We try to figure out people's life Mm -hmm. stories. Because, again, like I was saying in that whatever episode it was, I think it was on the, yeah, when we talked about BTK, I was like, there's so much I left out about the murder Mm -hmm. itself. But it was, it's because we want to know the why. Not, like, all the gory details. We want to figure out the kind of the psychology behind it. And I yeah. think that's where in our everyday lives too, that we're like, what's their story? I yes. wonder why they did that. That's so true. I do that, especially riding down the road. Uh-huh. I'll just see someone and I'm like, it's so weird that he is living this life and I'm living my life. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't know each other, but we just passed each other. You know, I'm always in my head. And then meanwhile, in an alternate universe, there's like a movie montage of all the times y'all <laughs> cross paths and you've never even noticed. Right. And then the men in black come. <laughs> nope, we wouldn't know because they bloop our eyes. They zap it. And we'd never remember it. <laughs> zap it. Zap it good. I thought you how you did your hands, it looked like you were doing bop it. <laughs> oh my God, I was awesome at that game. I sucked at that game. Oh my God, I loved that game. Mm-mm-mm. What else did we learn? Okay, we said no hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. Don't get TB. Yeah, which means tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, watch out for the creeper because he'll, like, be on the ceiling and come to get you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, his name is the creeper. But does he creep it real? Oh, not like we do. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> the other thing that we learned, three. Okay. Tell everybody about the podcast because I have gotten some really good ideas for stories from people. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I, last week, womp womp, I did not give my shout out to Nikki at work who actually told me to do the um, Fox Hollow Farm story. Oh. And because when she told me about it, she was like, you know, the Fox Hollow Farm story. And I was like, no, Um, what is it? You know, and she started telling me about it. And I was like, Oh, yeah. I remember I saw something. Again, everything in my life relates back to ID. I saw like an ID show about that or something. And she was like, yes, you need to look it up. And so that's why I did last week's episode. Lord, that story is because of her. And then this week it was because that sheriff's deputy was like, you need to look him up. And then I was like, oh, my God, I do know him. You know, so it's like it's crazy. But just because my memory is so awful, I'll be like, oh, no, I don't know that story. And then you start telling me the story. I'm like. I just don't remember the name. Like, I never remember names to people, like, to the stories and stuff. In a week, you'll be like, do you know Robert Ben Rhodes? And I'll be like, no, who's he? (laughs) Yes, and if y'all have any stories y'all want us to cover, let us know. You can send us an email, talk to us on social media, join our private Facebook group. It's awesome. Yeah, all you have to do is say, join, and we'll say, accept. Yep. Um... And that's the reason why it's closed like that is so you can post whatever you want to post and it won't show up on anybody's timeline. Yeah, your unless grandmother in the doesn't have to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, preacher if you're into that. <laughs> <laughs> your leather daddy if you're into that. <laughs> <laughs> welcome all. Yeah, um, I mean, and if you are a leather daddy, you're welcome too. I mean, but are you a sugar daddy? <laughs> Because then you're really welcome. You know what we didn't say, though? If you do want to send us your stories and all, like, of stories you want us to cover on the show or 
your sinister sighting things that you have just in your life you want to share with us, send them to us at our email at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And then don't forget to subscribe, like, review, whatever, all those fancy things you do (laughs) on iTunes and all of that jazz. Yep. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.